0: Alright guys, welcome to another fantastic Vetfolio podcast. In today's podcast, sponsored in part by Hills, we'll listen to the fabulous Mr. Matthew Lyon interview Dr. Jeremy Keene about using culture to drive practice. Anyone who's worked with me, I hope, understands how important my team is to me, and I'm sure I'm not unique in this. I truly couldn't deliver the kind of medicine and client experience that we strive for in my practice without the amazing people who come together to make it happen. I'm always so impressed by their care and compassion, and I believe our practice culture is a lot of what drives our success. However, even knowing that somewhere in my mind, I don't know if I've ever really thought about what that culture is or how to define it. So I'm thrilled to have Dr. Keen joining us to talk more about how to define a practice culture and how to build and maintain a successful practice culture. But before we jump into it, let me tell you a little bit more about our speaker. First and foremost, he's a Cubs fan. That gave him plenty of credibility for me, but in case you want to know a little more about him, he's a 2009 graduate of Mississippi State's College of Veterinary Medicine and currently a small animal practitioner in South Haven, Mississippi. His passions include small animal medicine, practice management, and leadership. Dr. Keene was a member of the 2014-2015 AVMA Future Leaders Group, where his team focused on bringing more awareness to mental health in the veterinary profession. He was also a member of the 2018-2019 Tennessee VMA's Power of 10 Leadership Academy, and he's a current member of the AVMA's Early Career Development Committee. Dr. Keen is also passionate about educating clients and colleagues through public speaking and journalism. He's authored numerous articles for veterinary publications such as Veterinary Economics and has had the opportunity to lecture on practice management and leadership at multiple AVMA conventions, the CVC conferences, and the Fetch Conference. During his free time, Dr. Keene enjoys traveling with his wife and daughter. He also enjoys kayaking, Mississippi State athletics, and as I mentioned earlier, Chicago Cubs baseball. Welcome, Dr. Keene. Thank you for joining us.
1: Well, thank you guys so much for the awesome introduction here, and I'm really excited And uh, ready to jump into this and delve into something I'm really passionate about, and that is kind of defining your own practice culture and how to keep your staff enthusiastic and excited about what they do and just maintaining a a good, healthy practice culture. So basically, we want to know what is a practice culture. So a practice culture is, is basically what drives the success of the practice. When things get tough and stressful, will your practice and your staff sink or swim? Will the staff be dedicated enough to really see the practice through to success? So the first step in creating your practice culture is, is basically to define what is important to you and your team. If your staff is not number one on this list, you will never be successful, and your practice, your practice will probably fail. So our staff can either make our lives very easy or incredible, incredibly difficult, and your team needs to know where you stand on this. So first, I recommend having a team meeting to discuss what's important to you and your team. What makes your staff tick? What makes them excited and enthusiastic about the day-to-day job? So allowing your staff to really open up about this will allow you to define your individual practice culture. Clinically speaking, when we really think of culturing something, we think of urine cultures, we think of skin and tissue cultures. Our hopes with these cultures is that we will define what the problem is and how to fix it. We are hoping to not see like a multi-resistant infection or issue. I kind of look at practice culture the same way. I want to see all the good bugs, the easy problems to fix, not the resistant bugs that make your treatment difficult and cause a lot of problems. If we can identify all the good bugs and provide quote supplements and treatments that may help maintain the environment, then we are more likely to succeed. This may sound very simplistic way of looking at practice culture, but that's exactly what I like to do is keep things simple. So in order to formulate a successful culture that will allow your staff to succeed and be happy, enthusiastic, dedicated, and hardworking, you must really focus on three main areas. You must focus on trust, communication, and leadership. First off, without trust, you can never form a dedicated team. Without communication, you will never be successful, and the practice culture will struggle Without leadership, always either stay in the same place or start slipping backwards. So today we're going to focus on these three key elements and how to utilize them when defining and building your individual practice culture. Every practice culture is going to be different. For us, personally, we love to have fun. We love to hire fun and enthusiastic staff members. We all know that hard work is extremely important in order to be successful, but the key to our hard work is having fun. I base my practice culture on one of my favorite quotes, and that is, the most contagious emotion is laughter, followed by cheerfulness. Fortunately, irritability is less contagious, and depression is the least contagious of all. So the success of our practice culture is based on laughter and having fun.
2: So, Dr. Keen, a great lead in there. I really appreciate that. And I'm going to key off something you said a a moment ago about keeping it simple. And for some folks, you know, this idea of practice culture might mean one thing, for somebody else it might mean another. So I wanted to take a moment here and have you define for us what it means to you, this practice culture idea.
1: Absolutely. And so as you mentioned, and as I mentioned earlier, it all comes down to an individual decision. So your practice culture is going to be something that you need to define for yourself. And first off, I mean, it's basically, as I mentioned earlier as well, the practice culture is what's going to make your practice successful or what will make it sink. So you could be the best veterinarian in the world, but if you cannot treat your staff and clients with respect and envision ways to keep your staff on track and keep them motivated and happy, then you're probably never going to be successful. So it's not a one-size-fits-all. In order to really define your practice culture, you need to define what is important to you. What's important to your staff? What makes you and your staff tick? And what makes you excited and enthusiastic about being there every day? So your workplace culture is what makes you stand out from other veterinary clinics. In order to define your practice culture, you need to really first kind of sit down, brainstorm on different questions, as well as have discussion with your entire team to answer the questions, why are we here? What makes us happy to be here? It must be unique and individual to your team beliefs. Our practice motto is, we treat your pet like our own. And this is exactly what defines our culture. Our staff will carry our patients around all day long if they are anxious or nervous. They will show them extra attention as often as possible. We unfortunately see a lot of patients that are anxious and nervous, but one part of our practice culture is we know to really focus on that because that means the world to our staff. It means the world to our clients. Our staff is transparent within within all that we do. So having said that, just kind of example, it's not uncommon to see some of our staff dancing with a pet in their arms because that is precisely what they do with their own babies at home. So in order to define your individual practice culture, you must first define what is important to you and your staff and what makes you tick. So that's basically what we focus and base our practice culture off of is that we enjoy hard work, but we also love to have fun and be transparent.
2: All right, Dr. Keene, I think most of our listeners now are ready to come join your practice, and I'm envisioning folks dancing around, holding their pet friends in their arm. That's a great visual. We appreciate (laughs) that for you setting the stage with your practice culture. Now, with this, though, this isn't something that is just set one time. You have a staff meeting, everybody gets on board, and that's it. You've got to be in this for the long haul to maintain the success of your practice culture once it's defined. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you go about fostering and maintaining the success of this culture you've described? Exactly.
1: And Matthew, as far as what we normally do, as far as just kind of keeping on track with this, because you're exactly right. You, you cannot just have one team meeting and expect the rest of your staff to just sit there and do everything perfectly right and to stick with your practice culture forever. So you have to stay on top of it. So in order for your practice culture to remain successful, you must constantly keep all the key elements of your culture in mind. You need to periodically check in with all of your staff to basically assure that everyone is staying focused on the strong beliefs that make your practice what it is. You need to walk your walk and talk your talk. And also you need to determine the leaders of your practice because it's not just up to the owner of the practice or The office manager, it's not up to either one of them to consistently make sure that your practice culture is maintaining where it needs to be. It's up to all the leaders of your practice. And these team leaders are the ones who will assure that all efforts are being taken to make sure the staff remain happy, not overwhelmed and not burned out. That the clients are taken care of while also being educated and making sure their pets are being taken care of as as well as staying as much stress and fear-free as possible. It is also just so, so important to have periodic team meetings in order to really build on your staff culture. So during these meetings, I like to utilize what is called the center model, C-E-N-T-R-E, in order to really make sure these meetings are successful and productive.
2: Dr. Keene again, thank you so much for taking us through a few examples there of how you are driving success there each day in your practice culture. Some great ideas, one of which I want to zero back in on. You mentioned the model known as Center and how you're using that in your team meetings. Would you mind taking us a little deeper on that and elaborating on how you're using that model?
1: Absolutely. And this model has been phenomenal for our team meetings. It's basically something I came across while reading a team building article at some point, it is an acronym an acronym to follow during team meetings in order to ensure that all the staff are basically heard, they're respected, and that make sure that your meeting is, is successful. So the acronym C-E-N-T-R-E. So the C is for confidentiality. Basically what is said in the group stays in the group. We want to make sure that everybody's comfortable in saying what they want to say, whether it's positive, negative, but also know that everything stays within our group. The E is for equal airtime. Everyone has the right to participate in the conversation and contribute to the final product or whatever decision may be made through this staff meeting that we're having. The N stands for non-judgmental and respectful listening. Team members do not interrupt while someone's talking or while one of the individual team members has the chance to really relay on any concerns or any advice they may have. The T is for timeliness, so basically respectful of, of others' time and schedules. During these meetings, we want to make sure the leader of the meeting respects that these guys are hanging out for another hour or two for this team meeting. So we want to let them know ahead of time what our meeting and how long is, what it's going to be about, how long it's going to last, and make sure we get in and get out on time. The R is right to pass. So basically that is acknowledging that any team member in the group may not have anything new to contribute to the conversation, or they might just need more time to think. So we don't want to put them on the spot. And the E is for engagement. So you want to be fully present during the meeting, be fully present for the group and the conversation so that everyone gets the most out of the the meeting as quickly as possible. So the center model is confidentiality. Equal airtime, nonjudgmental, respectful listening, timeliness, right to pass, and engagement.
2: Sounds like a great game plan for folks to follow. Gives them a simple playbook there. I like that. Now, I want to go in on one of the areas you talked about, the very first one there, that confidentiality, which I think leads us into a big part of team building, which is that story trust that you're looking to establish with your staff. So, Dr. Keene, I bring this question to you. Of how do you go about building and maintaining trust with your team?
1: Sure, Matthew. And, it's, and when you really think about it, everybody thinks of it's so hard to really build a trusting relationship. But in fact, it's, it's really not that hard. You just need to show people that you, you care about them. And so first off, in order to build trust with your staff, you really must get to know your staff. So personally, in our clinic, we strive to utilize personality assessments on all of our team members so that we can learn really what makes them tick and really what makes them excited and, makes, and the things that may make them anxious. By learning each staff member's strong points, we're really able to utilize them to their full potential. So personality assessments, they can also allow the individual to learn more about themselves. There are numerous personality assessments to try, so I normally recommend when you're really kind of building your culture and building this trust, I recommend that the leader of the practice try a few of the assessments and see how successful that leader feels with each one and see if that's going to be something good to utilize with their staff. We'll also discuss communication in more depth shortly, but communication is also one of the keys to building trust. They kind of go hand in hand. So, another way we build trust with our staff, especially new members, is by having these team meetings. During these team meetings, we introduce our new staff members and have them describe themselves. We want to know where they're from and why they're here. What's their background? We want to know all that we can about them personally so that we can understand, understand more about them as an individual. We want to know their likes and dislikes, their fears and their strengths. We want to get it all out on the table so that we can learn the best way to interact with our new staff member. After this, we then have each individual staff member that's been there for a while introduce themselves and give a short version of what the new staff member just described of themselves. So what initially brought these staff members to us, why they're happy to be where they are, what keeps them at our practice. So it just kind of gets everybody on an individual basis and just gets everybody relaxed. So it allows our staff to really get to know each other in a fairly quickly manner. And once you know some personal information about someone, trust has been built. I really see way too many practices hire a new member in which that new person just meets other team members as they go about their job. And this technique is, is not gonna be very successful. I feel like there's a lot of awkwardness for the entire team when this happens, especially for your staff that may be more introverted and less likely to speak and less spoken to, it's just not a good impression for the new staff members and it's definitely not a good way to build trust. So this holds true, especially if you have more than one practice like we do. Sometimes new staff members never meet each other or meet other staff members for weeks or even months. That's no way to build a trusting team that communicates well. So this is why team meetings are so critical for new staff members as well as existing staff members. The meetings need to focus mainly on introductions and then a discussion of your practice culture and what makes your practice stand out. The meeting needs to be a fun meeting when the entire staff is just focused on and reminded of why they're actually with the practice in the first place. These meetings are usually priceless, plus we usually feed the staff, so you you can't beat that. So Going back and just kind of speaking of new hires and speaking of that trust, we all need to analyze our hiring process. We always hire, personally, we always hire based on communication skills, personality and attitude. We never, ever hire on technical skills because if you really think about it, if you have a hardworking team that trusts each other and communicates well together, they will teach your new hire everything they need to know from a technical standpoint. So the main way we build trust in our practice is by getting to know each other. We also provide... opportunities outside of work to allow our staff members the chance to know each other in a fun relaxing environment. It's always interesting to see staff together outside of the clinic. Everyone always acts completely differently a lot of times. They just kind of they they're low key, they just kind of relax. The truth comes out. They you know they get to talk about things that they don't talk about in in the clinic setting. So they're just relaxing and their true personalities come out at that point. It's just fun to see that. So some of the fun events that we personally organize in our practice include things like karaoke parties and lip-sync battles, haunted and house events, and we also go to the movies together. So these are some a lot of fun events that we do that really bring out our staff's personalities.
2: All right, Dr. Keen, I can't let that go without asking which one of those has been the most successful or is one of your favorite areas that you would recommend <laughs> as a building and a trust area for teams? You know, Taking them all to the movie sounds pretty good, but what's one of your favorites?
1: Yeah, and I really have, you know, really two events that I would say are really my favorite. One event we just started up a couple years ago that I'll kind of talk about here in just a second, but really my my personal favorite because I'm a huge music fan. And I will do anything to run around the clinic, sing at the top of my lungs, embarrass my staff member as much as possible. I just love singing. I love playing music throughout the practice. So I really enjoy the lip sync battles and kind of, you know, how these work is we do have a couple of staff members say, Oh no, we're not going to get into this. We're, we're not going to sing. We're not going to do this. We're not going to come. I was like, okay, well, perfect. You can still be there, but you're going to be the judge of it. You're like, Oh, okay, well I can do that. So this is how it's going to work. So what's going to happen is that staff member that's not going to be singing is going to uh, organize different teams. So teams of three or four staff members together, and those teams are going to have a couple weeks to talk amongst each other and pick out three songs that they want to lip sync to, any genre they want to do, because it's going to be, we typically will have these kind of events away from the practice will kind of rent out an event hall or something like that or one of our houses and so it's going to be in a more comfortable setting so they can pick out any genre they want and we will download these these songs and then when we have these battles we go through each team they do each three one of their songs they every three songs they do and then at the very end, we basically decide winners, and we have prizes for each genre, things like that. And we we also, if you want to, if you want to dress up or whatever you want to do, and just just make it your own thing, make it original. So that's probably my favorite thing because that's what I'm, what I enjoy doing is singing and just making a fool of myself through that. As far as the one the event that we really started up a couple years ago was this haunted house event. We've got some really cool areas, kind of the, the North Mississippi area where practices are that have some huge farms that have been there for centuries. And a lot of these farms have been turned into haunted house areas during the fall. These corn mazes and these different things that you go through. And so it was really cool to get our team there. And you're going through these tunnels that are completely black, completely dark. You've got one person in the front staff member one person in the back and you've got to trust everybody to get you all the way through because these walls are narrow people are reaching out and touching you with creepy things so you really have to just go into it with a fun enjoyable attitude But know that you can trust your staff to get you through there, and nobody's going to die at this haunted house.
2: Those sound like great events. Thanks for sharing some of what your team's been doing. I think folks have been taking some notes there, and there may be more lip sync battles in the future starting to emerge. So thanks for that. (laughs) Now, Dr. Keen, I want to spend some time in an area that I think is really important, which is communication. And kind of zeroing in you mentioned earlier the the new hire process of you know the skills you're looking for there and then the importance of introducing new team members is to building that culture and introducing them to the culture that you've established but I want to bring this question to you when you bring on someone new to the practice how do you make sure they don't get overwhelmed within their first few weeks and months when they're joining you it's a lot to take in and you know getting integrated into the culture, especially in multiple practices where they're maybe not seeing everybody as frequently across town or something like that. So what tips do you have in this space?
1: Absolutely. And and as you mentioned, it is very easy to bring in a new hire and talk with them and get them on board, but then things can just you know slip away after that. It gets busy. They get thrown into the normal busy practice of, of day-to-day practice. And so it's very easy to allow those staff members to just get overwhelmed and sometimes even depressed and burned out very quickly. So you're know, talking about communication. It's, it's the key to everything that we do. Sometimes communication will be difficult, especially when it comes to having tough conversations or when staff want to discuss You know, any concerns they may have uh, with the practice or concerns they may have with individual team members. Many people often put up walls when it comes to these conversations. So a couple things. One way that we have made this easier on our staff is really by utilizing anonymous surveys through something like SurveyMonkey or something similar. So we will ask questions such as, what do you like about your job? What are the top three motivators for you during the day? What drains you during the day? What are the three most important incentives to keep you enthusiastic about your position? So these are anonymous surveys that our team members can take in confidentiality. Asking questions like this allows you to really key into any concerns that your staff may have or any ideas that you would like to share that may be better, that may better the practice and the overall culture. But kind of, you know, those are the ways that we kind of learn with our seasoned team members on any concerns they may have. Now, going back to our new hires, how do we really make sure that they're not getting overwhelmed and And within their first few months. So what I like to do here is I like to use our policy, what I refer to as our catch-22 policy. So everybody's always heard the phrase catch-22. It's always been looked at more of a negative connotation. So it's basically a catch-22 situation is pretty much known as a situation that someone is caught up in that they can't get out of. An example is this is you must first have money in order to make money. In our practice, I like to put a little bit of a spin on this. So I call it the Quick Catch-22 policy because with our new employees, we like to catch the issues before the employee gets caught up in a negative situation that they emotionally cannot handle or get out of. So the 22 aspect of it is we check in with them every two weeks for the first two months. We organize these catch-up meetings on the first day of work for our new employees. We set certain days and certain times for our meetings so we can both hold each other accountable. Because so much happens those first two months. We want to make sure that our team members are well taken care of because they are learning the standards of the practice in the clinic. They're learning the software. They're learning the best ways to interact with the staff and the clients. And they're learning how the doctors, quote unquote, like things done. So we want to make sure that they're not overwhelmed with this. So for the first two months, you're checking with them every two weeks just to overall discuss how things are going. What questions do you have? What can I do to make your job a little bit easier right now and vice versa? And we, we schedule these meetings, say, basically on the day that we're scheduling, we will extend that staff members. They usually get an hour lunch break, and we will kind of block them off for a little bit longer. But during, those staff meet, or during that meeting with us, they will be on the clock. So these are not meetings that they are not getting paid for, but they are doing their job during these meetings. So they'll get their full lunch, but they come back with an extra 30 minutes or so to have these meetings sit down and make sure they're doing okay.
2: I really like that. Uh, Some great ideas there for people to begin implementing right away within their practice. So, Dr. Gein, thank you for that. I want to go back to something you talked about in the center model on this next question as we think about making sure that people are being heard. You talked about using surveys and some other tools there. I wanna zero in and ask, what are some of the ways that you are making sure that your staff are being heard and that they know their ideas are being considered? So what can you share with us about things you found effective within your practice in this area?
1: And and that's basically where those surveys come into play is that allows us to hear things and understand things that our staff may not individually come up to us or they may be a little nervous to come up to us and bring, bring up face-to-face. That's one thing that we really push for is, is really being honest on those surveys. But in our practice, we really promote enthusiasm and innovation. So we want our team members to really, you know, they're there to do their job, but also to be enthusiastic enough about their job that they're going to come up with new ideas that's going to better our practice. We let them know that we are always looking for new ideas to, to be more successful. And in the past, some of the most fun and successful ideas have come from our staff members. So, But in order for this to work, you must be an active listener. For example, many of us have our staff go into an exam room to record the patient history. This is such valuable information for us when it comes to treating our patients. But the problem we run into is that we oftentimes don't allow the staff to know how much this means to us. We don't take the time to give them our undivided attention when they're explaining the patient history and client concerns, because we're very busy. We have room after room after room. It's very easy to get caught up in the stress of this busy day and not focus on the valuable information that our team member has to offer. So if you fail at listening to them at this point, then you stand the chance of losing a little trust between you and the team. So another way I make sure my staff know they're being heard is by formulating a plan to help their ideas succeed. We don't just take their ideas in, into consideration. We brainstorm on the best way to make them successful. By doing this, it basically becomes a team effort that we're going to see the plan out to fruition. It's going to make us all accountable to make this plan work. And lastly, I really listen to my staff when it comes to our clientele. The staff are going to know your clients and patients way better than the doctors are. They know what makes the client happy and comfortable. They know what treats the patients like. If we allow our staff to provide this type of information and to utilize it with our patients, their staff feel successful and know that their opinions are, and ideas are being valued.
2: Very good. And Dr. Keen, you talked earlier again about using tools like SurveyMonkey to gather information and wanted to know whether you're currently doing staff reviews or evaluations in the practice. And maybe if so, how often are you doing those? Absolutely. And,
1: and staff reviews, I look at them as priceless as long as you do it right. And so you don't want to, once again, you you need to plan this stuff out. You don't want to get stuck in a situation where you say, we're going to do a review every six months. And then nine months later, oh, well, we need to do a review. We'll get to it soon. You want to hold yourself accountable for these reviews. So we do our staff reviews every quarter, every three months. We have a certain system we go through that there are basic questions on on how is this staff member doing in the practice? What have they done that's that's been successful for the practice? Where are the issues that we need to work on? So we, we have it and they, they know these areas that we're gonna focus on ahead of time. So they know when their reviews are gonna come. They're gonna be organized themselves with questions they may have for us. And so it really it really kind of keeps us all accountable on how we do this. And we meet with each individual staff member on an individual basis, we go over their reviews, explain to them what we're seeing that they're doing great, what we see that can be improved, and how to do this. We come up with a plan, and once again, we just watch, we do our best as a team to watch that plan come to fruition and be successful. We also allow, which I've a lot of doctors kind of give me some pushback on this when I've brought this up into some of my previous practices, but I'm a huge fan of allowing anonymous staff reviews of the doctor's. I think it's a huge uh, individual personality building way to go about it. And it's also a very good team building way to go about it too, because once again, your staff, they may have 99 great things to say about one doctor, but there's one concern they may have, and they're not going to bring that one concern up. They're going to constantly talk about the good things. So these anonymous reviews allow them to put their thoughts into each individual doctor these reviews go to our clinic or office manager they put them all together and they hand out the uh, evaluations to each individual doctor so we can build on that and so and then all the doctors get together and kind of talk about Okay, this was an area where the staff feel like I'm not doing the greatest job, but Dr. Frazier, you're doing an awesome job. What can I do to build on this and make myself do a little bit better job in their eyes? So I feel like those type of reviews are really helpful when it comes to your staff. And once again, that's going to build trust. It's going to build communication.
2: Dr. Keene, I want to kind of continue that theme of leadership engagement and leadership takes many forms. It isn't necessarily the person at the top of the org chart that is leading. Leadership can emerge within any part of an organization or practice. And I'm curious, what are some of the ways that you let your staff sort of exhibit leadership thrive in the areas that maybe are their strengths within your practice? Sure, sure.
1: And when most people think of leadership in practice, they think of the owner or the chief medical officer, kind of like you said, but, you know, this, a lot of people think of it that way, but it's not that way. This should not be the case. It should also not be confused with micromanagement. So, in our clinic, we identify leaders within all the levels of the practice. So, we do this in order to make our staff thrive. And the way that we do this is we mo- we motivate our staff to really thrive on all levels, starting with the receptionist. So, starting from the front to the back. So, as far as our receptionists go, the one key thing I always tell people is you do need to have a standard phone personality in your practice and by this I mean when a client calls you need to there needs to be a standard phone greeting including maybe definitely the name of the clinic the name of the staff member that's answering the phone and something to the effect of how may I help you or how may I serve you today you want to make sure that this greeting is very polite and that the person calling your clinic knows that they're calling a good place. But apart from this, let your receptionist do their thing as long as it isn't a positive experience for the client. So, for example, if the staff member wants to answer the phone by saying, we're having an awesome day here at Precious Paul's, let them do this. Let your receptionist be creative and original. If one of your receptionists would like to hold the door for the client as they walk in and greet them that way, let them do it. It's an original thought that's going to bring more success to your practice. They know what works best because they see it all and they are the face of your practice. And then when it comes to your technicians and your assistants, once again, you need to listen to them. One key part of their job is to obtain history like we talked about earlier. And this is something that if you focus on your technicians and your assistants, you listen to their ideas. Once again, you listen to how to handle this patient, how to handle this client. They are a wealth of knowledge. And so we let them thrive in that. We let them do their thing. We let them go into the the rooms and educate the clients because we know that they've been well-trained and we let them just thrive at their position. We don't want our assistants and technicians to be those that are in a clinic, hold a patient while the doctor looks at it and while the doctor talks about everything. When I'm in an exam room talking to a client, if one of my assistants or technicians notices something on a patient that I may have missed i'm not I don't get upset if they look at me and say, "Dr. Keene, did you notice this?" because that being, that brings more awareness to myself and allows the client to know that their their dog or their cat is being thoroughly examined by the entire team and last but not least, our kennel staff can be priceless and valuable employees. they will also know the pets better than anyone else. They know what makes them comfortable, they know what makes them anxious. do they like a certain type of blanket?" They like their food mixed up in a certain way. So we need to let our kennel staff be creative in how they care for the patients. And as long as it's in the best interest of the pet and the clinic, they will also thrive. So, so allow your staff to be individuals. Allow them to be creative and original as long as it's in the best interest of your practice.
2: Dr. Keene, that uh, word you were using there about helping them thrive, I want to continue down that pathway a little bit with a question for you of how do you train your staff to learn the best ways to thrive within their position? What are you guys doing in this space?
1: So so this kind of comes back to educating our staff and it kind of comes back to those team meetings you have when you really focus on what's going on in the practice. And the best way that I've truly found that allows our, our staff to really thrive in their position is through role-playing, And what we'll do is we'll come up with some different scenarios through each individual aspect of the clinic. We'll come up with a scenario in the reception area, how to handle very tough discussion with a client that may have just lost a pet. We bring up the real things you're going to see in practice, and we go through role play on the best ways to handle these things With with our technicians, our assistants we run through role play with them. We go through, you know, I'm sitting here as a client. What are you going to do when you come in the room? How are you going to introduce yourself? You know, what are going to be the key elements of this conversation? So we roll through exactly how this needs to take part so that all of our staff and all of our assistants and technicians are doing the exact same thing in the rooms when they're going in there and there's no confusion on what needs to be done. Same thing with our kennel. Our kennel staff are some of the last staff our clients see. We want to make sure that they know how to restrain these pets. We want to make sure they know how to deliver these pets to the clients. You know, we don't want a five-pound uh, chihuahua sitting there running up to the front of the practice, yanking on the, the leash around his collar and, and choking it and coughing. We want these pets to be held. We want them to be comfortable when they're going up to front of the clinic. So different things and running through different role play like that has really helped our staff to really thrive in their positions. Some other things that we do that some clinics do, some don't. We offer CE opportunities. We are lucky to have a lot of local CE opportunities for our staff in the city of Memphis. Uh, we have a lot of industries that come through that offer these CE opportunities, but we also realize that it's very important to allow your staff to just get away for a little bit. Get away, go out of state, go to a national conference conference go somewhere that's not in your hometown, get away, treat it somewhat like a vacation while you're learning a little bit. You come back, you're relaxed, you're ready, you're enthusiastic to bring back the things you've learned. So you come back, you teach the other staff members, hey, look, this is what I learned. This is what I want to see us do. I think we can really incorporate this into the practice. So these types of things are what we do to really make sure our staff
2: thrive in their positions some great suggestions. They're always investing in the team so that they invest back in your clients and in the practice. It's a circle that I think serves all areas there, so that's great to hear. Now, we've talked about some of the key elements to form your own practice culture and how to keep that culture successful. But I'd like to go into, you know, specific examples here, asking, can you provide some of those on how you have created your practice culture?
1: Absolutely, Matthew. And and this is going to be the fun part, because as I mentioned earlier, I truly believe that our practices culture is based on having fun while we are working hard. We have numerous routes on how we make this happen, but I'm a firm believer in playing music during the workday. There's nothing more relaxing than listening to music, making fun of those fearless staff members that try to sing the right words and match the tune. It's just a fun time had by all. And sometimes you get a chance to get them on video and then play that video later in your staff meetings. It's just a lot of fun. So we focus on ways that we can all relate to each other that don't necessarily involve veterinary medicine. We work hard because we play hard. I once had a veterinarian argue with me that music had no place in a veterinary practice, but it didn't take me long to prove my point during that argument because my practice's success spoke for itself. So some of the things we do is we play a lot of music. One thing that I will do is, especially on days we've had a tough week, I will come in and the staff may be playing a little bit of music in the background. They may be getting ready for the day, but you can tell the staff is worn out. And so I'm ready to pump them up. I'm ready to get them started. And so I will go in there and I will put on the song I want to rock, I want to rock, that song right there, I'll just out of the blue, just put it on, they won't know, I'll turn the volume up, it'll just start going, you know, going crazy in the clinic, the staff members will start jumping around and dancing, start headbanging a little bit, so the mood changes very, very quickly if you do fun things like that.
2: Well, I know you changed the mood for our listeners there as they're thinking about that as well. So thank you for that. So, you know, music obviously is a big part. We've heard that as a common theme for you in a couple of your responses question comes to you about why do you feel that music really is so important to the success of your practice culture other than waking them up in the morning there when they're running a little bit slow and need some caffeine and a a jolt of music to get things going what else is it about music
1: sure so so music does a lot of things number one it allows our staff to be creative one one specific example that actually one of our our lead technicians i guess it's about three years ago or so so i came in may 1st may 2nd somewhere around there first part of I came in, and we had they had in sync blasting in the treatment area. I was like, okay well what 's going on with why why are we doing boy band right now and and our our lead technician looked at me and was like, really justin timberlake it 's going to be may, and so his in sync song and it's only it 's going to be me It sounds like it 's going to be may so she was you know she was being original she said it 's going to be may it 's may i 'm playing boy bands all week long. I was like cool let 's do it and so it allows them to be original and so also it just, you know, it just allows everybody to relax. It, it allows us to just kind of start singing along. We realize what our staff really knows, how comfortable they are in, in singing. I do also think that it brings a calming effect, depending on what you're playing, it brings a calming effect to the patients that are in your hospital as well. And so we'll have our staff members that if a song's on that they really like, we'll have some of our staff members come back there. Our, our receptionist will come back there to drop off a chart. They'll hear the, the song going and they'll start jumping around like a cheerleader and say, saying room one is ready and just kind of instead of saying room one's ready they, they, they get a little bravada there they get excited so it just really brings out the personality of our, of our staff
2: i like that now we were talking earlier about a story here and uh, you mentioned coolio <laughs> and i've got to ask what does the music artist coolio have to do with practice culture and success you want to share that with our listeners
1: Absolutely. And and we do, we, we let our staff usually pick the genre. We don't, typically we we don't allow rap music, but occasionally we will allow it sometimes if there aren't really clients in the building, if we really want get, to get a song out there that we really enjoy, we really grew up with. So, so a lot of times we'll blast Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio because of two reasons. Number one, I'm proud to say that I know every word. I do. And also the song also provides a good lesson regarding practice culture. So there are, there's, there are a few lyrics and a few sentences there in the song that I'm not going to get my singing voice on, but basically it's, the lyrics are, what's going on in the kitchen, but I don't know what's cooking. They say I got to learn, but nobody's here to reach me. If they can't understand it, how can they reach me? And so basically what that's saying is from a leadership perspective, if you don't know what's going on in your clinic you're not, and you don't know what's cooking, you're not going to know how to fix it. They tell you, tell your staff members, you got to learn. But if there's nobody there to teach them how to learn, there's no way they're going to understand it. they're going to sit there and not be, you're not going to be able to reach them and they're going to fall off the path and not want to be a part of your team. So basically this is practice management in a nutshell. So Coolio was obviously an incredible practice manager.
2: obviously and and we've talked about the impact that music has on your leadership team on your staff probably flows into your clients as they're coming in what about your patients what are they thinking about are they bobbing and you know in the practice rooms there you see more tail wagging what's going on
1: absolutely and so when we have especially the first part of the morning when we're having our surgery patients dropped off they haven't gotten anything to eat all morning they haven't gotten anything to drink they're not happy if they're, if they're friendly, little, little fluffy dogs or ones that, you know, we can tell that's not going to make them anxious. Our surgery techs will get them out and just kind of hold them and dance around with them, ball dance with them a little bit, whatever makes them comfortable. And you start to see those tails wag. They start licking them in the face. And I think it's just a very calming effect for uh, the patients in the practice. One thing that we've honestly seen where the music has really helped in our practice, though, is... Typically, in the kennel setting where our patients board, we usually keep it classical. We usually keep it fear-free music. So we'll play some classical music back there because it's soothing, it's calming. When we leave for the day, we put on put on our YouTube channel for typically we'll just put on calming or soothing music for pets. And it just has some very calming effects, maybe some white noise, something that we know just by looking at our cameras through the night that our patients that are boarding are much calmer with that type of music. So, we, so we, we have proven that it has in different ways helped with our, our patients as well.
2: So I've got to go beyond music. There's got to be other things that you're doing with your team to really kind of bring them together. What are some of the other things that you're doing that, you know, expand past your music repertoire? What else have you got going on in the practice?
1: Sure, sure. And so we have to be creative. Uh, we have to expand on what we really enjoy. And and me personally, I love music, but I also am a huge Fan of the theatrical arts. I love movies. I love going to movies. I love talking movie trivia and talking movie quotes. And most of our staff do that as well. Now, I mean, now the Netflix is a huge thing, that's one of the biggest things we talk about. Hey, did you see this new movie on Netflix? What did you think about that? No, I didn't see that. I'm going to jot it down right now. I'm going to go home and watch it tonight. And so when we do that, we come back and it's like, let's talk about this movie. When we're in surgery, we start talking about movie quotes, start talking about different movies that are out now and the ones that we're excited about seeing. We start making lists of some of the ones that are upcoming that we may make a team meeting to go see a movie together. So I would say as far as other things outside of just singing, we definitely had that common bond with the with the movies and theatrical arts and things like that.
2: So there's a rumor going around, Dr. Keene, that uh, you love a good pun as well. So <laughs> we know that you've got musical taste. We know that you're, you know, theater and movies and things. Talk to us about the, the power of the pun <laughs> and how that has been helping keep your staff morale high for years here. So share some ideas there.
1: Sure, sure. I do love a good pun, and my family can tell you this, and I could sit here all day long and go back and forth and back and forth with some good puns. My brother and my dad constantly have three way calls so that we can just go back and forth with pun after pun after pun it 's just something that we 've always done i 'm not going to get into all the examples I can think of you know one really good example and the power of the pun is basically that. It's funny. It's going to bring up something that can make everyone laugh and make a serious situation, or not really a serious situation, but maybe a stressful situation where the team may be down a little bit. It's going to make them kind of come back to reality and realize we're trying to have fun. You know, we're going to focus on our hard work. We're also going to have fun. So one example I can think of right now with one of our staff members, I'd say the other day we had a patient in the clinic. That was a little crazy, a little wild and high strung. And it was also discovered that this patient was not neutered. So one of our techs, after we were sitting there just trying to calm the patient down, calm the anxiety. So one of our techs noticed the two, as I like to call them, masses or tumors between the legs and said to the pet, I used to think you're crazy, but now I can see you're nuts. (laughs) And so things like that. I mean, a pun like that just had everybody laughing. We kind of calmed down a little bit. We settled back a little bit. We got this patient calmed down and everything went from there. So we had a great afternoon.
2: Well, That's a good story. We appreciate that. And it does bring us around to something that you kind of touched on there, as much fun as it may be in the practice. And we love it when pets are healthy and they're coming in for their well checks and things are all good. But there are times when you're dealing with tougher situations. And I want to explore this idea with you a little bit about, you know, having fun and excitement is great. But when things turn a little bit tougher, How do you successfully deal with those emotions and the stresses that come with day-to-day practice life?
1: Yes. And and you're exactly right, Matthew. I mean, there there's no way that a hundred percent of the time we're always going to be having fun. We're going to go through some, some tough situations and some stressful situations with our staff. One thing that, that we started when I was basically when I noticed in my practices before where I am now, when our staff were dealing with some tough days, maybe something with their family, something outside the practice in their individual lives or personal lives, there was really nowhere for them to really go off and and have the opportunity to just let it all out and so what we've done is we've also kind of transformed our our staff break room into what we consider kind of an an emotional room what this allows is it it has a door we have you can close the door it has a radio in there it also has some snacks some water some chips some cookies whatever it may be it has somewhere just some comfortable chairs it has a couch you can go in and just relax And these staff members can really just get away to this room for 10 or 15 minutes if they need to and just kind of think about what's going on. Have a time to just get away so that it's not affecting the rest of the team. We also have a sign on the door that says, you know, do not disturb or please come talk. They can flip it whichever way they want to do. They can come go in for five minutes, please do not disturb, and they can go out and flip it. And if we see that, come talk staff member will come in there and talk with them through it. So it's really kind of helped with the tough times and allow our staff to know that they have somewhere that they can go where it's not going to affect the rest of the team where they can feel vulnerable and they can just get it all out. So that's that's one thing we've really done. As far as you know the, the more personal personal issues, we do when we have staff that are going through tough personal issues we make sure to send them care packages with if there's been a death in the family or something that's going on in the family we'll make sure to send send a meal to their house Uh, we'll send care packages whatever it may be we also if i'm going through uh, the clinic one day and and i see a staff members kind of down and out i'll start talking to them you know what's going on, and I'll find out what's going on with them. I'll go back and I'll make a note in my in my log on, hey, this is what uh, Sarah's going through today. And then three days later, two or three days later, I'll come back up to her and say, hey, how did everything work out with that? That means the world to our staff. We didn't just listen to them and they were able to tell us what's going on. We came back two or three days later and said, what happened? How's it going? Do you need some more? Do you need some time? Do you need to talk about this? So it really lets them know that once again, that trust is there, that communication is there, and you know, we took the initiative to back actually find out what's going on in their lives and let them know that we really care but one little tip that i'll say that really any clinic can use with their staff is there is an evaluation because i was on a team with the avma back in 2014 2015 where we were focused on mental wellness and we we formulated a, a thing called the pro qol which is quality of life it is basically an assessment that you can go through the avma's a wellness site they have this assessment that all- we try to get all our staff members to, to take this assessment. It doesn't take very long, but it has some questions on there for you to be real, for you to be vulnerable and really find out where do you fit in this category of mental wellness? Are you happy as can be or are there things that you need to work on? So we really try to you know, try, strive to have our, all of our staff members take this evaluation so that we make sure everybody's doing okay.
2: So that takes us through some of the things that you're doing, taking note of when maybe some of your staff isn't at their best or they're going through difficult times. Now I know that you also like to celebrate successes as well and milestones with your team. So everybody likes to be recognized when they do good and when it's their special day. What are you guys doing within the practice there?
1: Sure, sure. And from a from a personal uh, standpoint, when it comes to celebrations and successful you know successes within their personal lives, such as their birthdays or engagements, uh, weddings, things like that, we always make sure to let the staff know that we recognize these days in their lives. So if we have a birthday coming up, we're going to make sure we have that calendar in our office. We know whose birthday is coming up. We're going to make sure to celebrate that. It may be as simple as cupcakes, cookie cake, whatever it may be. But it means the world to that staff member that they know that we care that much to go out, you know, to go out and get something special for their special day. Same thing with, you know, weddings. We make sure to set, set aside a time for those staff members that can make it for a wedding shower, a baby shower. We do the same thing for that. For example, one of our doctors and his wife just had a baby this past December. And our office manager you know, took it upon herself to make sure that she organized this baby shower for her. And what's funny about that is she came up with all these games and one of them was find the rubber ducky. And so she bought about 50 of these tiny little rubber duckies and hid them throughout one of our clinics. And the goal and the game was to find as many as you can. We are still finding rubber duckies to this day. <laughs> and so it's just, it's always fun to see what our staff become creative with. But we also, it means so much to our staff. Uh, members that who are celebrating these different times of their lives. It means so much to them and lets them know that we truly do care about them.
2: Absolutely. They've got to feel cared for and respected as a result of that. And and who doesn't like a good scavenger hunt to find rubber duckies? Hopefully they (laughs) squeaked and maybe some of the furry friends help locate them over time as you go through the practice there. And with all of this, and it's great to hear about when things, again, are upbeat and everybody's kind of managing through the day-to-day and having fun. But we've got to talk a little bit about those hectic moments and and staff morale, this idea that sometimes their shoulders slump down a little bit and they're maybe not as productive as they could be. You talked about the way you've used music in the past to kind of help get them jazzed up for the day. What are some other things that you're doing to help deal with
1: this? We are a very, very busy practice and it does get pretty hectic at times and staff morale does kind of drop at times depending on you know what time of year it may be, especially during the summer. Especially uh, we do two dental health months, and so we are slammed with dental cases at that time. So one thing in particular we do for that is we we do dental health month incentives, and we have a chart of what are these incentives, and it goes by the amount of dental cleanings that are scheduled and the higher you go, the better the incentive. And so if the, I can't remember the exact numbers, but there, there have been months where just one of our practices has done 150 dentals in one month. And so we, we rewarded our staff for these types of things. And so the incentives go all the way from $50 gift card all the way up to a nice steak dinner and a $50 gift card. And it's it's not very often that our staff don't reach the highest incentive that we have for that. So that's one way that we kind of kind of throw in a little extra incentive there for our staff's hard work. Another thing is that when it is busy and hectic, a lot of times things pile up, whether it's paperwork or whether it's books or whatever it may be in the treatment area. One thing that we'll do every now and then, if we if we see a clutter, if we see a pile somewhere, we'll go there, we'll get you know, a $25, 30 gift card to a restaurant or to Walmart or whatever it may be. And we'll go under that pile. We'll stick it up under that pile. And whoever takes in the initiative to clean up that pile of, uh, of junk right there, they're going to find that gift card. And so people know that that exists and they know that they can find that. So people are constantly cleaning as much as they can. The last really thing I will say real quick is, Food is a huge motivator, Food is a huge incentive, so when we're having a hectic week, having a busy week, oftentimes we will go ahead and cater in meal, cater in some breakfast or lunch, whatever it may be, give our staff a little bit more time to take in lunch and just enjoy socializing with each other. So the, a food is a huge motivator and a huge incentive when it comes down to those hectic times.
2: Dr. Keene, I love those ideas. I am going to tell you I'm going to steal that and try it with my three boys at home by leaving laundry out and hiding underneath their incentives so that we can start to foster a Pavlovian response every time they see something like that. They know there's some treat associated (laughs) with those things. That's fantastic. I love it. Now, I want to talk a little bit about motivators here. You, You mentioned incentives on the financial side. Do you feel that some of the best incentives for hard work is money and bonuses or are there some other techniques that you're using?
1: So money is definitely an incentive, but I don't believe it to be the best incentive by a long shot. Your staff just want to be heard and appreciated is the way that I've seen it and the way that I've learned in my time of practice. One day I overheard one of our new staff members asking our lead technician, what was her favorite thing about working with our clinic? Her response was the doctors appreciate all that we do and always say thank you. She said that means more to me than money ever will. I was wowed by that. I was like, really? You know, kind of taken aback a little bit. I was like, wow, that's amazing. You know, I've never really thought about that. But it all comes down to the staff just want to be taken care of. For example, at one point, I worked in an area that had an emergency clinic that was started by multiple local veterinarians. We would have board meetings after board meetings to discuss the practice as well as discuss the best ways to keep the staff motivated since they were working very long hours and usually, especially during holiday hours. So I asked one of our personal clinic staff members, that also work with the emergency clinic, I said, what means the most to you? What can we do to make your job easy or easier than it already is? And her response was, if we could just get a water cooler in there, we would all be happy. Wow, a water cooler. So obviously money is a good incentive, but always remember to listen to your staff and find out what is the most important incentive to them. You know, the other thing, you know, we basically talked about, just always remember to tell your staff thank you. After a long, hectic day, just always tell them thank you, because as I said earlier, and as our lead technician mentioned, it means
2: the world to them. Well, and Dr. Keem, thank you for taking us on a journey this afternoon as we've gone through our discussion here. We've got a couple more questions that I want to make sure we weave in, but... We appreciate what you've shared with us. It's been a fantastic journey, some great ideas thus far, and I know we still got a little bit to go here, so let me talk to you about something I heard you say earlier, which is that hectic nature of a practice, especially a busy practice, which everybody wants to have. A busy practice is serving clients and is profitable as well, so those are all good things. But we've got so many distractions today. We've got our cell phones. We've got email. We've got all these things vying for our attention, as well as the work in front of us. And I want to talk and get your ideas on how do you deal with some of those distractions in the day-to-day practice environment? For example, let's drill maybe into cell phones and, and how those fit into the way you're managing teams and cultures within your practice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, cell phones are a necessary evil. During, during this age. And it's something that we pretty much feel like we have to have. And so we understand our, our staff need to have their cell phones. They need to be able to know if their family is okay and just be able to make sure that everybody's doing okay. But the distracting part comes when, you know, are they getting on Facebook? Are they getting on social media? Are they texting constantly? So those become huge distractions and can definitely decrease the success of your practice and the profitability of your practice. And and the production of your staff members. And so a couple things as far as cell phones go. We do have cell phone lockers. One thing that we're we're looking at doing pretty soon is we're going to actually uh, make it to the point where uh, well, it's going to be easy. We're going to buy you know some cell phone chargers. That's one thing that our, that our staff's phones and our phones are always doing is that those batteries are going to go low and we get concerned when they get low. So we're going to buy some chargers, a little power strip to allow us to, each one of those lockers is going to have its own charger there. And so that's going to kind of help them with that. But they know our staff knows to use those lockers and those those cell phones need to be in there. But we do know that times are going to come up where a child may be sick, spouse may be sick, someone may be in the hospital, a family member. So we do allow our staff members to fill out a form saying that I need my cell phone during this amount of time. I need it I need to be able to kind of at least check it without going into the break room for the next three days because of this reason. And we will sign off on it and say, okay, today's Monday. We'll give it to Thursday. We're gonna check in with you then, see how things are going. Also allows us to know that something is going on in their lives, we're gonna check in with them. And so once those three days are up, we come back and say, how's it going? Do you need more time? or Are we good to go back in the locker? And so and you, you know, our, our staff don't really abuse this policy. Uh, they know that on their breaks, they can go do whatever they want with their cell phones they can walk back there and get some water when things are slow and they can look at it real quick make sure they don't have calls or missed texts they need to respond to they don't abuse that but one way if you if you do have a a staff member that it kind of abuses it and you're trying to think of of ways to uh, reprimand that one thing that i notice is positively reprimand it if you have a staff member that is constantly on their phone, and you can't get them off of social media, you need to make that, that staff member what I like to call your social butterfly. And what I mean by that is they're always on social media, so make it productive for your practice. Make them the manager of your social media. Give them a certain allotted amount, amount of allotted time for them to work on your social media for your practice because that's obviously what they love doing. And that's what we've done with our practice. And that's, you know, once again, that's a way that we make our staff thrive. We look for those individual unique characteristics that may actually work in our favor when we're going through a possible negative experience as far as social media and using cell phones go.
2: Dr. Keene, a great idea there of aligning task to talent. If they've got the skill for it, pointing them like a laser in the direction there that serves them, serves the practice is a great technique for sort of redirecting and positively reinforcing the right behaviors you want to see there. So I like that as well. Now, I I want to talk a little bit about where we've been on this journey. And we've heard you talk about this creative positive successful culture that you have been creating and cultivating within your practice because it's not a one-time effort you've got to nurture this and continually grow it and i'd like to go down that theme for our last question here of how do you keep the success outside of the day to day practice going
1: it can be tough it can definitely be tough especially when you're getting very busy uh, you can let things build up and you can start really not focusing on your staff. You can start focusing maybe on your on your individual selves and your families, which we always put family first, but our staff is our family. And so the biggest thing that we do is we always schedule quarterly get-togethers, whether it's a, you know, whether we're going to close a couple hours early and take our staff to dinner or whether we're going to, once again, close a little early and have one of those karaoke Contests or lip sync battles, we find ways to get our our staff out of the out of the clinic and just have some time together so we can once again get outside of the practice and allow everyone to just co- just kind of come into their own individual person, relax and just bring it out all, all all out on the table and just just talk about life in general and so we you know, we align this with sometimes holiday events we definitely have a Christmas party every december we'll sometimes we 'll have during the fall, we'll have a pumpkin carving contest, you know, Thanksgiving dinner together. So we definitely make sure every quarter we have something for our staff to get together. All of our staff may not be able to make it, but they're, they're assured to make it at least one or two throughout the year. So really, you know, to kind of, we talked about a lot today, Matthew, and to kind of really to come full circle is, you know, the key to practice success and forming a positive practice culture all comes down to those three things, trust, communication, and leadership. So without communication, we can have no trust and without leadership, we can have no communication. So you need to utilize these three key aspects in order to find out what makes your individual staff culture positive and successful.
0: Thank you, Dr. Keene. You gave us so much to think about when it comes to developing and maintaining a successful practice culture. And thank you to Hills for sponsoring this podcast. If you'd like to find out more about this and other podcasts, click on the education tab on Vetfolio's website. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this session as well as ideas for topics you'd like to hear from us in the future. Feel free to reach out to me at dvm at vetfolio.com. You can also visit my Facebook page at Dr. Cassie DVM, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day.